Hello, hello. This is the version four podcast featuring Rose Laloon. Um, this episode is with Meta Nomad. Meta Nomad is a philosopher um, who writes predominantly about accelerationism and eschatology more broadly, known uh, for his writings on zero accelerationism. Um, and he is also the host of the Hermetics podcast. Um, this episode is very special to me in that he is probably one of the first people I followed on Twitter in general. Um, so I feel like this is coming full circle. Um, if you like this episode, please make sure to like, duh, like, follow, subscribe, share, tell all your friends. And um, yeah, I hope you enjoy. Okay. All right. Hello, hello. This is Verse. And uh, I'm here with Meta Nomad. Uh, philosopher, online, anonymous, uh, Twitter account, you know, uh, does not need any introduction. Um, hey, um, so, um, say hi to the audience, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> say hi. Um, uh, thanks for, yeah, thanks for having me. I haven't got the intro thing down yet. We'll figure that one out. Oh, don't worry about intros. <laughs> they're, uh, they're useless. Exactly. The worst thing you can do is a big, long intro. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, so um yeah I'll just get right to it um so we're kind of all quarantined now so uh so and even though I had things prepared before uh things kind of hit the fan now it's hard to think about anything else mm-hmm. um so uh, are you uh, faring well in the uh, quarantine now? Uh, I don't tend to leave the house much to so anyway so I mean the the British quarantine seems to be that it's going to going to be stay inside or go to work or go get shopping or medical and that seems to be the four primary things that you're sort of um allowed to do unspoken mm-hmm. and that's pretty much what i do anyway unless i i get taken somewhere i wouldn't actively so for me the quarantine isn't a big thing same the social distancing is i didn't realize that was a thing until uh, clearly extroverted people pointed it out that uh you know, it's an active thing to keep your distance from people. Um, but where I am, uh, so which is uh, East Anglia in the UK, I think there's only three cases so far. So it's not, you know, I mean, it is it is affecting here and it, things don't usually affect here. So people are a bit surprised by that. But ultimately, I don't, you know, I'm faring well, I'm faring fine, yeah. That's so, good. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm at an epicenter, so um, I'm probably going to be fucked soon. I'm where, in New York, City, New York City. New York City. Yeah. Well, you were fu- fucked anyway living in New York City. Very true. Uh, <laughs> I was going to go to see my family, but I figured I'd probably already been exposed, and I was like, I might as well just stay here and keep them safe. <laughs> I'll take the bullet then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is, I guess, fitting because uh, you write a lot about, like, accelerationism and, like, eschatological topics. So mm-hmm. I feel like I, could, I couldn't have a better guest on. Yeah, I mean, uh, if – I don't think there's too much – substantial X risk, you know, it's a 3% mortality rate. But what mm. this is showing is that if you start to think in terms of what if it was even 10%, you know, one in 10, and that seems like nothing. But what we're seeing from, I mean, some places it's 2%, some is three, let's just say three for sake of argument. What we're seeing from a 3% thing, it's not the mortality that's uh, affecting us. It's not the deaths. It's the overload of a system. And it's what mm-hmm. they're just showing us is, exactly how just 
ridiculously close we are at all times to what many people would consider collapse. And I mean, this isn't even this isn't this isn't going to collapse everything. I think mm-hmm. what I I what I personally foresee from this is um, some quite a lot of good things if I'm being hopeful, but quite a lot of bad things. So the bad things it's going to be it's going to be a big recession. I mean, oh, interest yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, interest rates are already hitting zero percent. And when things start to hit zero, the the sort of um, transcendental and capital capitalist meaning of the entire framework is 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 gone. It's it's not there. Um, you're also seeing what Kaczynski would call surrogate activities come mm-hmm. to the fore, and they're the first things to fall. So, so uh, what would you consider? What did Kaczynski consider surrogate activities? Uh, very roughly anything which wasn't primary to our survival and in a society's within modernity, our survival is, you know, water, food, shelter, uh, oxygen. I mean, that's, um, and to a lesser extent, um, companionship and love, um, these things are all, so shelter is sort of just, I don't know. Given, you know, I don't, I don't want to exclude homeless people there. Mm-hmm. But there is, as far as, as far as I know, I mean, I don't, I'm fairly ignorant in this. But there seems to be a means to get some form of shelter, and shelter's not a, a, as big a deal in the West. You're not going to die of yeah, exposure not. most of the year. Um, and then, and then, food and water is is sort of literally on on tap. So, Kaczynski's point there is that our base survival instincts are are gone because we don't we don't need to actually attend to them so we we attend to surrogate activities um which really is kind of anything i mean Mm -hmm. outside of this uh for our meaning but of course because it's not well in kaczynski's opinion i don't fully agree because it's not directly related to our survival it doesn't really never really quenches our meaning Mm -hmm. um now what we're showing actually is that you know what i listed there of the the four things which the four places that, you know, take my government, for instance, are happy for you to go is work, the, the shop, home, and uh, medical. So at home, you've got your, you, that's your shelter. The shop is your food. Uh, work is a thing which allows you to get water and electricity. And medical is, um, you know, the thing that continues to help. So I, you know, kind of coincidentally, but not coincidentally, those four places that we we're allowed are just direct to our survival so mm-hmm. you know there's no unnecessariness and what is what we're starting to realize what is necessary of course is survival um so in a certain way that's a that's a good thing i mean there's there is other other bad things but it's largely going to be the recession and a sort of drought of innovation for a while mm-hmm. but the good things are sovereignty a lot of people are going to become more individual again because they, oh, they are going, they're going to realize well they're already realizing well actually the government can't protect us you mm-hmm. know from this uh, i think there's going to be a lot of leniency on the, uh after this on sort of housing laws um what do you mean by that well i think as far as i can see this is sort of a long overdue natural cull and there's going to be you know i mean you can jokingly say i mean I, I you know the whole boomer thing i'm 
neither with it or I'm neither for it. I guess mm-hmm. it's just a non. I'm, you know, it's nothing to me. But the whole meme of calling coronavirus the the boomer remover, mm-hmm. there is a truth in that because it's sort of a long over overdue death for generations which are really clinging on when without. Uh, machinic and technological support systems they would have been long gone yeah so you see a lot of you know there's there's a fair amount of proof out there for the fact that the reason a lot of younger people can't climb career ladders is because the older generations refuse to retire or even leave um there you know and and with that you know, there's a hoarding of resources, there's a hoarding of property. And I'm not saying they haven't earned it, but there is a limitation to what can be owned. Um, so I think they're with, within kind of after the 10 year period after coronavirus, I think there'll be a, a big, big surge, but it's going to take time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think there's sort of a libertarian promotion coming from this. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I'm hoping this will teach people that, you know, modernity sort of teaches the, you that you're immune, that you're safe. You have this real false sense of security. And I'm hoping this will teach people that, you know, they need to sort of become more uh, like Robert Heinlein or, or, or Renaissance. You know, they need to understand where things come from. They need to understand how to make things, etc. It's true. Um, I, I can definitely yeah. say that, like, even... I mean, I've already kind of recognized the fragility of modernity. I mean, I think anyone who's like in the reactionary space kind of has. Um, but I even see like the like a normal normie or whatever uh, talking more about like sovereignty and like you know issues with supply chain and like things they need and like prepperism and whatever kind of became a little more. Uh, <laughs> well, well, that's the other thing that's gonna that's gonna surge mm-hmm. with after this is not so much nationalism in the sort of. Uh, ideological like waving the union jack around sense mm-hmm. a national economic nationalism uh, self-sufficiency of nations and localism and potentially communes again for people to want to feel secure but I think that you're going to start to see real distinctions between l- territories and connections and mm-hmm. what globalism has done is try to merge all these into one homogenous sort of soup and we'll start to see a real splitting especially where places have good quality food which which they won't want to share very soon mm-hmm. um, yeah and even if this kind of blows over and, and and there is a too much of a sort of dent it's enough of a psychic uh or psychological shock to the liberal system and the progressivist system uh, to sort of jar quite a few people out of their, you know, their default beliefs. Yeah, I'd say so. Like um, the it, the um, it's a major hit to globalism for sure. In like, if you remember at the very beginning of the year, it was a lot of like it was racist to talk about like limiting travel or um, to limit trade or whatever. And it was considered like, you know, like a peak like sin uh, to like the liberal global order. But now it's becoming very clear that like um, uh, being a little more um, national national with respect to the economy and like being a little, working more locally, this a lot of the um, cross-contamination between countries could have been avoided. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I, I do think that it will definitely... Um, at the very least change the way people are viewing like globalism 
much like you know the Spanish flu did in early industrial um, revolution, uh, the early earlier parts of the industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. Um, I I can't stop watching uh, uh, Spanish flu document ever. I guess like all viral epidemic uh, documentaries at this point. So I feel like I'm looking a lot towards the Spanish flu, and I'm kind of concerned that we might get a second wave of uh, in the winter, uh, much like that happened there. Well, as I understand it, um, from what a lot of people in the know are saying, I can't really put any references here, but I've mm-hmm. read a fair, fair amount on this, is that this is gonna, going to become um, sort of like the flu, you know, but lesser in terms of how many people it's affecting. But, you know, every year, you know, be like, oh, they're off work, they've got corona. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just unfortunate because obviously flu isn't as bad because when we know how to deal with flu, if people have it really bad, we, we have antibiotics, we have systems in place, uh, there is immunity, there is vaccines, there is... Um, et cetera, et cetera. Everything's in place. We know how to deal with the flu. You know, the reason this is so bad right now is this completely novel mm-hmm. thing. So all these people, yeah, one of the frustrations is all these people um, saying uh, cancer kills X amount every year, suicide kills X amount, um, alcohol, uh, drug overdose, et cetera, et cetera. You know, all these, uh, you know, they're saying that there's way more, you know, 200,000 by cancer or whatever i'm not sure the statistic mm, the yeah. point the point of these people are trying to make is that why are we worrying about this when it's only killed three thousand well the point the reason we're worrying about this is because well one a lot of the things that these people are citing aren't viral you know mm-hmm. alcoholism isn't viral unless you really i mean you could probably make a case for that yeah like some um, sort of postmodernist. Uh, yeah, like i've been like a neurosphere virus i guess i don't know yeah yeah so <laughs> good but but you see what i mean then that's not viral um cancer isn't etc cetera, et cetera. uh so this is literally a virus and it has to be contained but it's a novel virus with no previous research um and the other things are already implicitly able to affect the entire world mm-hmm. so when you put uh let's say there's a, there is uh, i think uh, roughly 150,000 cases of coronavirus at the moment um so when i think it's three 3,000 deaths. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But but if you would apply that to 7 billion, whereas, you know, 200,000 or whatever it is for cancer to 7 billion, it's a different ballpark. Um, so all these people are saying, well, why are, we, why are we ignoring the other things? We're not ignoring the other things. We're putting mm-hmm. attention to this because it's novel. It's new. Um, and if, if, you, if you don't sort of tend to control something new, which is wrecking you very quickly and, and say well it'll be fine then you know you need to find out what it is capable of very quickly yeah it's true um so what do you think what are your thoughts on it being a potentially being like a bioweapon um unfortunately this the sphere that i'm within i mean it's hard to differentiate between sort of legitimate stuff but i mean you know major news outlets are, are reporting on this um you know, one of my favorite TV series ever is a Channel 4, UK Channel 4 series called Utopia, which they release a flu, but mm. the, the, the weaponized aspect is actually in the vaccine, which is, um, it uh, mm-hmm. causes... Um, Autism? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I've completely forgot the word. Basically means that people kind of kids, it's a malfusion. Oh, okay. um, Sterility, yeah, yeah, yeah. It causes, yeah, it causes people to be sterile. That's the one. Um, so only two percent of the population would be able to have 
kids so they they deal with the population crisis that way so sort of my conspiratorial brain fires on because obviously if this is spread everywhere and it's so awful that you want to get rid of it um, obviously vaccines become very appealing and that's the thing that they can sort of tamper with because you're Mm. actually begging you know if if a big flu comes out then of course countries are going to try and avoid it if a vaccine comes out, people are going to actively you know, march it. towards it. But I, I don't want to. I don't want to um, engage in the bioweapon discourse too much because, as far as I can see, it's it is. I don't know. It just. I feel like it's an accident. I think they. I know yeah, that they were doing see, testing. Yeah, they definitely were that way. They were definitely testing. Um, I know they were doing. I mean, there's a bunch of articles that they were working on um, increasing like viral vectors, or whatever, like vectors of like. Um, infectiousness for pre um for SARS or whatever in Wuhan mm-hmm. and I think I do think it was an accident that it got out but I don't think I do think they were tampering with the virus itself mm-hmm. I think it's kind of like a it's it's human error is usually more likely typically you know you can usually rely on incompetence um yeah. but I do think that um I mean it is confirmed that they were you know messing with uh the virus like in Wuhan. sure but I mean at this point there's enough people testing the virus that I just think is how is that an important yeah, yeah. fact at this point? Unless I we will... start to realize other things. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I will say for sure that your, uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, your warning, I mean, the potential for a vaccine to be uh, weaponized is definitely uh, something to consider. Like, even with, like, the AIDS epidemic, um, even if it wasn't actively done, a lot of the people who took the first several waves of the of the AIDS, whatever drugs, the cocktail drugs were killed from the medicine itself. So I personally would stay away from uh, any kind of cure or vaccine that's rushed out uh, mm. it, it immediately after uh, a, a pandemic. You don't know what the effects are long-term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all these people sort of hastily retweeting things about vaccines. I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know the, the complex ins and outs of it. But mm-hmm. I, do under, I do understand that it's a, almost a year long process and that's, that's mm-hmm. you know that's with one that's been really rushed through, um, yeah. And 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 from what I understand as well, the recent British flu vaccine was, was terrible. Um, they generally are, um, especially uh, some people basically do get the, the the flu, which people always go, oh no, you better feel it a bit. But some people genuinely do get something which is close enough that you you could really do some damage, um, and certainly very fragile people couldn't withstand these things um but of course this is this is the the overarching thing which um coronavirus shows which is that uh we're not we're not safe we're, we're not um, outside of this yet you mm-hmm. know um these things can happen and you'll you'll hear people say things along the lines of like oh this is this is crazy this is mad and and i think anyone who anyone who's read any book on on resource limitation or, or collapse and even the, you know the sensible ones i'm not talking mad stuff here mm-hmm. we'll understand that this isn't crazy this isn't mad these things can happen um you just happen to live in a time where there's so much and so many systems in place to secure every sort of kind of idyllic thing mm-hmm. um you know and if you go back to sort of any other age where we didn't have this sort of behemoth of technology over us this wouldn't be surprising. It wouldn't even be named. You'd say, well, people are dying of, you know, whatever, let's just call it X. And uh, people people die of things, you know. Um, modernity is sort of the anti-death. It doesn't like to, to promote or even show 
that death is still a possibility. You know, death is tucked away in hospitals, it's tucked mm-hmm. away in mortuaries. Um, we bury the dead, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, it's taken care of, uh, and so is pain. You know, these aren't things which should. These are things which are trying to cease to exist. Mm-hmm. And when this comes along, the initial reaction is always um, like, you know, this is mad, and it's mad for those reasons that that it's completely the the antithesis of everything that modernity is unconsciously teaching you. Yeah, it's true. I, uh, yeah, people are starting to see, I guess, like the cracks in the seam. We have been sheltered for quite a while from any real consequence, like natural uh, calamities outside of like actual natural disasters in like Katrina or something. It is very easy for my, for most people to forget that we are still subject to, you know, biology and you know the world we're living in we're not completely out but mm-hmm. it it is very much a religion or i guess like a, a religion it is yeah i guess it's a religion of like modernity that like we're safe from these things and it, it is interesting seeing like actual normal normal people re- respond and react to this and understanding that like yeah we're not completely safe um you don't seem i mean this corner of the internet doesn't seem so crazy uh during a uh, pandemic no and, and one of the things that someone tweeted quite a while ago now was uh it's kind of a joke saying you know i wouldn't always go back to the same right-wing nut jobs every time but historically they have turned out to be true and yeah. and you know you can laugh at alex jones but i mean you look back and consistently he's been right so there uh, and generally people making predictions years ago which i would have thought insane so are you talking about uh kaczynski uh, Wait, who did you say? No, you Alex at? Jones. Alex Jones. Oh, Jones. Oh, yeah, Jones for sure. Jones needs to be vindicated from like every. every he's he's so many things he said has been correct. Mm-hmm. You know, and even though he's Bill Hicks, uh, he needs to. He has been uh, consistently right. I mean, since I mean, I don't know. The last time I saw him was on Joe Rogan, but everything he said on that podcast was correct, and has been shown to be right. But um. Yeah, no, it is. It is interesting how uh, you know panic. People are even though we know that those people who panic are in some sense of it, you know, high, are hypersensitive to like anxiety. It is. Mm-hmm. It's weird that we don't take give them more credence when things are going well. Well, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, I understand that, but uh, of course, the media would never sort of want to say that Alex Jones got something right. Um, true, but I don't want to go too much too far down the Alex Jones route. I'm not like a supporter or anything. I do, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's not he's not an image that I'd want to promote. That's fair. I mean, I, I, I like to I work under the principle that everyone has some sense of uh, there's some glimmer of truth to you know everyone's kind of perspective. So even though he's definitely you know a little bit fr- or a lot of it fringe. Uh, clearly there's actual information that he's like finding, right? So I give him some level of like, uh, I, I, I listen to him a little more than I guess the, the average person would, but I, I don't think everyone's completely crazy personally, but that's mm-hmm. just me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, speaking of, uh, so let's go into your writing because you um, did that series recently about like exiting modernity, and mm-hmm. it's hard to. Typically, I try to read everything everyone does, but you have you're very very prolific, and even though I've been I used to be, I used to be. I, mean, I, haven't, so- I haven't I haven't written 
in quite a while. I, it's something I want to get back to, but the the, the pod, podcasting is very difficult to explain how much time it takes up and why. I can't really yeah. seem to find why it does, but there's so much time goes into it. Um, it, it is weird in the in the in between times, uh, waiting for emails, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, yeah, and I mean it's not massive excuse. It, it's a lot of what I've wanted to say has been written, mm-hmm. and and I'm I'm sort of doing that thing where you take a good long break and come back sort of refreshed because I'm, I'm I was fairly close to burning out and you know uh, I'm very close to sort of pinpointing the vision it is that that I think is helpful and cathartic for people and that has helped me um and i don't really want to put that down until uh yeah but yeah uh you were asking about exiting modernity or did you want to talk about oh no i mean i mean i was listening to what you were saying i mean i i think there's ebbs and flows to creativity i mean obviously you have to show up but i, I agree that podcasting some for some reason despite it only being a conversation does take up a lot of time in between um and even if you don't do a lot of editing so i i understand that completely but yeah exiting modernity so um from what i got from it there was a lot of it was effectively um practice practicing and becoming better at uh at being more mindful of your of your uh that you're in like a reward system and uh and that you ought to you know figure out what uh you know reward treadmills you're on and try to only go after try to become more mindful of what you actually want versus what modernity tells you what you want is that more or less the gist yeah that's that's a big that's a very big part of it um Mm -hmm. but it's very very difficult to explain to people who are in these systems Mm -hmm. because these systems are giving them dopamine releases and uh, they are they are giving them what they they supposedly want they're giving them desires um so it's difficult to explain to someone why what they desire isn't actually what they desire because you Mm -hmm. sound like you're simply trying to you know let's say there's two teams red and blue if someone desires red then i just sound like someone who's trying to promote blue whereas the actual point of that is saying no 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 the, the the two choices and the actual idea of that choice is given to you by a certain party. Mm-hmm. So the red and the blue, they exist in exactly the same desire. My point is not not the the, the whole third root thing. My, my point is to just remove yourself entirely from that as much as you can. Of course, you, you're going to go back into choices. But once you understand that just because you're X doesn't mean you can't also be Y, etc. Cetera, et cetera. You know, it's not mm-hmm. this binary thing. Um, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I feel like I got that, but also the part that like really got um, stood out to me was uh, mm-hmm. not just like your, I don't know, day-to-day desires, but also like f- um, coming to terms with like, like the introspection of like coming to terms with what you actually want, which, uh, which is more or less what you just said, but it like the actual mindful practice of it, of like, actually thinking about what is it that you're desiring versus what what goals are you going after that you otherwise wouldn't um yes yes yeah and the the Uh, practice of it is what's interesting yeah but the 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 problem is when you when you talk about going sorry i've just realized my plum needs some water (laughs) don't do it right now i will forget i i uh there's a book i don't know it's like the most normie book i have uh I guess I think it's called Getting Stuff Done. 
about like uh yeah yeah those 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 books are helpful but um the 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 problem is that these 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 ones are so abstract that people talk about let's just take one the, the 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 clear one uh people who are who want a really good career mm-hmm. you know they want to go up the career path uh, uh let's take um just sort of your office worker you start as start as sort of an office jockey you know, just doing admin, and then you go up and come become sort of a team leader, and then a partner, and then um, you know you want to go up to the the big boys. And what's behind that is what's important for me. Now, what's behind that, as far as I can see, is status. That's mm-hmm. the, the clearest one. To a certain extent, power power comes from status and being able to hold status and mimic status, mm-hmm. status. However, you wish. Yeah. yeah but- um, we're global. We're, we're global uh, pronunciations here. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, some people would say SMV. You know, you're sort of your market value as a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, money, I think, but money is also tied to status. Um, perhaps a little bit of fame, but I don't think so for many people. So really, as far as I'm concerned, is you have to ask yourself. Well, why do I feel the need to prove myself to other people? You know, um, and that—that's the one of the key questions. Is what am I trying? What am I trying to prove? And what am I trying to show? And what am I trying to say about myself at, to other people? And the most important thing is, well, why do I actually want to do that? And mm. if you really track this back you'll realize that it was probably something you were told that you should do by, by an education system. The why is usually just because, or people have always done it, et cetera, et cetera. And the why isn't usually some conscious decision that you've come to on your own. It's just something that was thrown um, sort of into your life. So, you know, you question the root of everything you can. But what 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 do you, what do you say to like so me saying that much of that might even though it's been passed down like as a in culture what if a lot mm. of this desire to prove yourself in as a status or your prove your status to the group is like based in our actual human animal right like oh for, no 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 for yeah. sure it for sure it is for sure it is uh, there's there's always going to be sta- status hierarchies mm-hmm. uh, and there's always going to be competition and there's always going to be um, those who want to win and succeed um, but I think they're few and far between and I don't personally mm-hmm. I don't think there's I think a form of success is admitting to the desire to exit from certain forms of success. You mm-hmm. know, that's not for me. And not being bitter about that, not coming across as someone who's like, oh, I didn't want to do that anyway. It's like, no, 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 no. Just because I didn't do root X doesn't mean I can't do root X. I'm just not, I just couldn't give a crap about that entire thing. That's that's a non, uh, non-object, non non-thing for me. It's not something... But of course, once these things are within the culture, you sort of they're sort of unavoidable, and you have to sort of comment on them, work with them. You know, it's sort of like saying to people, "Well, I'm not actually that interested in working, or I don't really want to live in a house, or um, you know, what do you do on your weekends? Uh, I just sort of sit and uh, look out into a lake for both days, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. You know, these things which are just just outside of the normalcy. 
these are important these are important to me and, and cracking open that uh normalcy window i think is extremely important for freedom uh, yeah because it's because it's along with the overton the, the tighter the overton window gets the tighter the i the idea of what normal gets and, and that's dangerous um so yeah. i think i think yeah uh it is I, I like your example of like staring at the lake um that's it is because it's a value of like you know that's non that has absolutely that requires no money effectively there's no like si- like hierarchy or status competition or anything of that nature mm-hmm. it's very much like i value like my serenity and like being being able to sit with my thoughts and the peace and calm of this particular scenery or whatever mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and it is hard especially when you have like people in your life to validate uh you know interests or or like or values i guess in this case that are completely outside or are fairly normal behaviors but they're not you know there's no intrinsic reward or systemic reward rather and it's entirely an intrinsic reward um i guess like the mm-hmm. artist is the only real like accepted um avenue for that like follows that where it's like or maybe i guess the teacher or it's like the the non-capital rewards are considered to be acceptable right like teachers always say in the u.s at the very least i don't know what they are like in the uk um that oh i do it it's it's about more than the money it's about like in, impacting the lives of these children or whatever mm-hmm. um uh and there are a few routes that are acceptable even in the u.s that are not capital based but i there are they're very limited as you said like the overton windows like shrinking yeah i don't know there's no question there i just was like thinking about that uh cool so uh so there's that and then you also um do have come up with very interesting varieties of like accelerationism i mean or at the very least you wrote the primers on them of like ziac and uh recently ish the uh app i don't know uh yeah didn't you write about that uh like uh i don't know appropriate acceleration or no 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 I haven't even heard of this one. Wait, wait, what you said, wait, I, I was definitely on your website. It was like a Greta Thunberg and some kind of... Oh, blimey. Uh, <laughs> let me... Uh, it was, yeah. Let me I, just see because... Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me check because it's... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, they, they get too numer- numerous to, like, keep track of at some point. Um the varieties um there's no 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 i don't think there's anything here about uh acceleration one second one second no i think i have it up but my computer's running slow because i have like a thousand things uh appropriate acceleration no from greta from green acceleration to appropriate no i I was i was uh featured in that oh you were Um, featured in that okay gotcha gotcha yeah 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 that wasn't me though but yeah, but like the point more so was about the uh, various varieties of ACK, like the UAC, ZAC, GAC, whatever. There's endless varieties of like what uh, the acceleration of techno capital would be like. What is your yeah. like? Do you what do you which one do you th- adhere to the most? Would you say? Oh, ZAC, which I oh, can't. Ziac for sure. uh, yeah, 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 that's my baby. That's my baby. <laughs> but I mean, ZAC's just an offshoot. I, you know, there's ACK. That's uh, there's accelerationism, and then the rest. Uh, it's very tough to 
even with 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 Z or ZX, mm-hmm. uh, it's very tough to justify the need for the uh, the letter. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, ZX is simply accelerationism understood within a framework where numerics and what's called zero and the existence of cyber negative possibilities, which is basically that there is limitations and they, and, and these, these aren't spoken about or written about primarily in, in, in other accelerationist stuff. So it's uh, it's the pessimist um, sort of hellish variant but I, I think that's in the acceleration if you if you look at it, but it's quite tough to find. Um, mm-hmm. there's a, I have a big like ten thousand word interview coming out um, on zero accelerationism like tonight, I think. Oh really? Tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah. But that's the one I you know, that's the one that I'm slowly formulating. Um, so like for like just for the listeners outside of just like can you just like, give like a I mean, you kind of just did, but like a like a brief summary of what your understanding of ZAC would be. Oh, okay. So if we if we understand accelerationism as um, positive oriented cybernetics, mm-hmm. uh, that is, it's, it's, uh, capital as the system which just keeps going. It subsumes everything into it, and anything it doesn't subsume it is deemed worthless and will wither away. Uh, this is how the system builds itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, within this, the Z of uh, ZF uh, stands for zero, as in, you know, the, the, the number zero. Now, mm-hmm. zero itself is a, is a strange concept, very, very strange. Um, one sec. Uh, yeah, so z- zero is sort of this just the, the, I can't call it even a point because zero isn't a point. It's the nothingness where a reversion or an inversion of energy happens and zero is within acceleration mm-hmm. still uh, aesthetically promotes this idea of one after another unfortunately and zero is the thing that breaks that and it needs to be understood and zero is the 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 point of learning for capitalism uh, but unfortunately Zero also holds the natural, implicit, a priori means for for uh, entropic forces and natural sort of chaos. Uh, these things which aren't tailored to or taken into account often by capital because they are so peculiar and rare and it's sort of a cosmic type of acceleration so mm-hmm. uh, yeah Great. yeah so um yeah so the uh, just as like my little side as someone who studied math zero like does it didn't naturally arise in most civilizations it was, it was uh zero i believe well nick land takes zero to be basically the, the birth of capitalism which basically means you could say that zero the the, the imminentization of zero within culture is the singularity because when you think of zero mm-hmm. uh, even if you think of it as in practical terms on what we call the inside it's it is the metric either side of it is proof of workings it's proof of success or failure it's proof mm-hmm. of profit or loss without zero there is 
no comparison there's no compensation there's no means to uh either subsume or cast out certain things uh zero comes around basically the birth of modernity i think it's Mm -hmm. it's it's widespread in culture in around the 17th century i believe Mm -hmm. that's the first time the actual signifier of zero comes in uh and you can't think about zero as a person it's not it's not a possibility. It's uh, it's the it's the the moment of possibility. It's not a possibility in itself, but it's it's the the moment in which, sort of, bereft of time that that things fly into and fly from. You know, not percent interest. I mean, what does that even mean? That's hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, zero percent growth, etc. Uh, that's the point of change it's the stepping into a new river zero is pure sort of pure heraclitian philosophy it's it's yeah it, yeah all right very cool so the um just trying try to anyway so so you are saying that like you don't think that uh i'm trying to like Sorry, I'm fried right now. Uh, so the acceleration, generally speaking, with um, there's always some kind of movement um, in most of the philosophies. There's some kind, of, uh, there's some kind of like movement towards or away from. There's like a linear sequential uh, time. Mm-hmm. And you're saying in Zeac yep. that that part is n- negated and it's well. There's no, there's no, there's there's no sequential anything in in accelerationism mm-hmm. uh, generally. Uh, Zedek just understands that certain things can happen which i don't think are spoken about enough mm-hmm. uh within the accelerationist um writings uh which i think is enough to to warrant the 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 interjection of of zero and zodak and say look here's this other angle yeah yeah definitely um so with I'm just going to slightly change topics um, since I always have to make sure I add this in since most of my audience comes from the crypto community. This uh, here Corona situation um, mm-hmm. is kind of demonstrates the, uh, the, I guess, I guess it's kind of the inviability of, of, or like the, uh, it like negates the, uh, the thesis for Bitcoin as being like a, uh, you know, store of value and a way for us to like work in this global society um, cause this should be a catalyst for it. And yet, uh, evidently, um, it's, it's kind of not meeting, uh, expectations. Uh, what do you, do you like think of crypto much at all? Do you, um, uh, not at the moment. I, um, this could have been the point where crypto really showed its practical worth. This is the perfect opportunity for Bitcoin. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think enough people were brave enough to believe that the actual whole entire system which upholds Bitcoin would still be around. So they hedged their bets and sort of fell, up, fell upon comforts. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, in any actual collapse situation, holding your money in Bitcoin or stocks or anything along those lines, even gold is is uh, silly because you're assuming that there's going to be a rebirth of that exact same uh, economic system. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And there likely will not be. So, and I, I don't think this is a collapse event, um, but at the very least, um, things will be rethought. Um, do you, 
what do you see like collapse looking like in you know the west um um slow very very slow and and and, and sort of defeated and no one admitting that's that's going to be the problem admittance is when you can really begin to rebuild it's going to be a very very long i'm talking 40 50 to 100 years process i mean we're already in it john michael Greer calls it the long descent there's hundreds of things you could list which sort of prove his theory that we're already in it um you know housing crisis um student debt basically everything being a bubble um no yeah my mind has gone blank so yeah i guess you could sort of ridicule me for not being able to list a load of things but ultimately i would agree with what greer says which is when people say uh, when's collapse coming i would say look outside your window Mm -hmm. Um, it's there just very it's there just very subtly you know in terms of what we did have at certain points I, yeah, I agree with that. Um, so actually, you just mentioned John Michael Greer, which is interesting because I forget that um, you do a lot of, I don't know if it's a, I mean, I know, he, he does a lot of occultist writing, and um, the occult is, like, very big on this side of uh, Twitter, which I think is also interesting mm-hmm. since so is, like, Catholicism, and though they obviously <sighs> intertwine. What is your, uh, how do you feel? I've been reading, actually, because of you, um, a lot of... Uh, Sorry, like, you just lagged out there. What is my... What? Oh, yeah. I'll... Oh, because of you, I was just reading more of John Michael Greer in particular, because mm-hmm. uh, I saw you tweeting about him. Um, and I was just wondering, like, what's your view on, like, uh, some of his occult writings there might be, or, like... In what, uh, in what sense do, you, do I believe it's true? Oh, I mean, even if you, if you believe it's true, if you... I do what, believe what, it's what true. Value, what value do you find in occultist writing in modernity, etc.? If you're talking about the value that I find in occult writing in relation to modernity, occultist writing... Uh, will reveal that modernity isn't the the only system, which is basically what its modus operandi is, which is Mm -hmm. it wants to uh, suffocate any other system or belief system or way of being and make you understand from the youngest age possible that this is the only way things can be and mm-hmm. occult writing and occultism in general but a lot but as well as spiritual traditions i might add mm-hmm. <laughs> allows you to understand that there is more and this is the problem of striving towards things because modernity gives you very clear things to strive towards uh, all material bigger uh, faster car bigger house uh, better job more money uh and you see this in in um one of the, the, the sort of ironies that young budding occultists realise is that people people always make the joke of like, how come all these amazing occultists aren't rich and famous? And, and they usually say something along the lines of, once you realise what this can do, you'll no longer really want money because you'll realise there's so much, there's, there's, there's that which is worth so mm-hmm. much more to you. Um, so I don't want to bring this all down to like, uh, there's systems which aren't to do with consumption and production and, and money, but it's one of the big factors. So occultist writing and reading very old books and reading very strange books is, is some, some of the quickest ways to knock you out of the uh, the slumber which has been given to you. Definitely. So what would you say if I said, like, if you consider liberalism as, like, the idea of, like... Default uh, position. Default yeah, default position. position. And, but like in its in its framework, they, it allows for like a plurality of opinions. Since that, no, it doesn't. All right, well, no, it doesn't. 
isn't like the whole idea of tolerance and like etc of like other people well, tolerance is one opinion because as soon as you begin as soon as you have a sort of hegemony and totalitarian idea of tolerance then well what don't we tolerate because as soon as someone says well i don't tolerate that then they're intolerant they're in a tolerant culture there mm. there isn't there isn't uh mass opinions i haven't heard of any original opinion from mainstream politics for, for a long long time these are all um let me think um sort of pseudo democratic brown nosing mm-hmm. uh it extrapolated via virtue signaling um, yeah I'm a good person. Look at me. I'm a good person. I support X, Y, and Z, which is the latest in tolerance trends, which is the latest in uh, minority politics, which is the latest thing. Mm-hmm. Look at me. I support them. Vote for me. Don't vote for me, you know, on any sort of substantial practical basis. Vote for me because I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. And I also support democracy. And that's sort of it and, and and but when you look at that whole system as a whole there's actually no other opinions going on there other than people following the current and you'll notice yeah. those who don't follow the current get knocked out very very quickly True. um you know uh, uh and there's much to the left detriment so no, I, I don't i don't even see opinions there i just see uh, people getting dragged by an unconscious force i don't see anyone really standing out that much okay and, gotcha. except the people who stand out are those who stand still yeah, that makes sense. I thought I when I was I didn't think of you I didn't realize you were saying this like as like the mainstream opinion being like liberalism as like the dominant ideology. I thought I was thinking more so like the fact that these other opinions are allowed to exist is part of the liberal the fact that people think that they have the option of having alternative opinions and like reading esoteric writings or whatever might also fall under that mm. belief of like I have the freedom of liberalism is a liberalism is a materialist religion it's Mm. uh yeah it's not they don't want you reading that stuff it's all quack to them because um if you understood some of the inherent tenets of spirituality and occultism you would Mm. begin to understand that not everything is a linear progression which terrifies them because they no longer have their trajectory Prog- um, the progress doesn't uh, matter. Yeah, yeah. Isn't really no. Anymore. Well, no, it never, it never has been. The only, the only progress, progress is a is a sort of an inter or inner personal one of the inner sense, mm-hmm. and 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 that's mapped by your own sense. So that you know you can't have a sort of a universal progress. It's just not possible. Yeah. No, I agree. I'm just trying to like frame the uh, liberal point of view, mm-hmm. like the god of progress or whatever. Um, yeah. So, okay, so you think that, like, the cold writing it gives you an ability to, like, step away from, like, the liberal uh, ideology and actually, like, find alternatives? Well, it gives you, it gives you a, a way to step away from ideology as much as you can. Of course, you're still mm-hmm. in the occult ideology, and there's a lot of that there. But it's, it's sort of like mold bug. It's that first thing that knocks you out of, well, you know, I'll mention it again, the, the, the whole A versus B or red versus mm-hmm. blue or et cetera, et cetera. It knocks you out of uh, the... Uh, binary dialectic of thinking the mm-hmm. uh, you know the i have to choose you know well who's telling you you have to choose and what's the entire system of choice what, what you know uh, if there's two choices then they're wrapped in something you know mm-hmm. so if there's red versus blue republicans versus uh, democrats they're wrapped in uh, contemporary american politics 21st century uh, american 
democratic politics. I don't choose that, and I never did, and I don't want it. You know, I'm not American, you know, but the same applies to the UK. Mm. Um, you know, and that's where exit comes. He's one. No, I'm not taking part. No. Mm-hmm. Um, would you just because I always like to give the uh, the listeners some kind of like you know books or whatever to read. What, what, mm. what would you say would be some like pivotal occultist writings that people should check out? Um, I'm not going to recommend any occult stuff. You'll, uh, if you want to do because I, I, mm. I would now recommend people against it. Don't. Oh, really? I, I don't want to go into why, really, because it's not, it's not some massive reason. Uh, mm. If you find yourself there, you'll find yourself there anyway. But since sort of yeah. getting drawn back to Christianity, it's not something I massively want to promote. I think. Oh, okay. Um, the only sex. No, 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 no. There's none I really. The. No. no. That's interesting. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you say so you're saying I didn't know that you were got back heavily into Christianity. Um, mm-hmm. what um, what kind of brought you there? And then like, I mean, uh, I grew up in the church, so I'm fair. I'm. It's a very very short short story, really. I grew up uh, in a Church of England school, which basically means mm. it's mandatory for you to become an atheist at a certain point. Um. <laughs> And then I, you know, obviously everyone knows now that I got interested in the, the occult. And then through that, you you very quickly realise that but evil, pure evil, is real. And mm-hmm. uh, anyone of a sensible temperament tends to uh, charge back towards neutrality or good as quickly as they can. And and you realise the the good in Christianity. That's you know that's yeah. it. That's the it's a, it's a it's a tale told time and time again. The prodigal son returns. Um, sure. And I'm not going to not admit that you know, it's difficult to stay in that position and not get taken back. But the more you stay and the less you give into that temptation, the better, the better life gets. So that makes sense. I'm with you. Um, that was kind of, I mean, that's fairly indicative of like my like story too, to be honest. Uh, you kind of, you, you want to, you start to explore, you know, you know, things that are not, uh, quote unquote of God. And then eventually you're like, all right, there's actual bad shit out there. And I should probably hmm. stay away from that. Yeah, and then all the all the uh, like you know the the spiritual like what seemed like metaphors start to seem really real. You're like, oh wait a second, they definitely mentioned. Yeah, and it's this is the problem with the materialist culture and societies. They don't they should teach many of these things as real. Mm-hmm. Temptation, the devil, demons. They're taught so abstractly that they come across only as fictions. And of course, everyone knows that fictions eventually become fact. And, and mm-hmm. if they were taught, if people were taught to spot them. From a young age, we'd be in a lot. Uh, uh, oh, you kind of you, you lagged out there for a second. If they were taught to spot if, them. If yeah, if we were taught to, if people were taught to spot these things from a young age, we'd we'd be in a far better position because people would have a means to understand what it is that's happening to them, instead of putting it down to material processes such as like atoms or my body chemistry is wrong or mm-hmm. uh, it's just greed or uh, it's lust and et cetera, et cetera. You know, there's um, other there's other ways of uh, understanding these things. I will definitely say that like demon and demonology and all that is very, has been a oddly uh, useful, prudent way to like describe technology and like kind of the hold it has on, you know, the like me or like any other individual like it's it, a lot of the same uh you know language uh, and metaphors work exactly the same as like demon like conversations about demons and what have you um 
and it's been very insightful for me about like you know i mean like the common one you see on the internet is like pornography is like the demon and you know like these mm-hmm. these the stranglehold that these things have on you is yeah. is one-to-one with the way that possession and stuff yeah. is so about. instead of recommending a cult book so just go recommend that everyone go read c.s lewis yeah, yeah, but i mean so. that seriously yeah yeah screw tape letters especially uh, the what the screw tape letters the screw tape letters yeah oh gotcha uh so um yeah. just and lastly um do you have are you working on any any uh books or anything of that nature uh yeah i'm working on uh i'm working on a, a book on uh, the work of nick land i've been working on it for three years uh probably be working on it for another three unless someone sort of messages me and says pull your finger out your ass uh we all want to read this um which is sort of the archetypal story of of going through hell and coming out of the other side um mm. yeah uh that's what i've been working on uh and it's uh it's burning me out but it has to burn me out that's the point mm-hmm. uh yeah other than that uh it probably will be a while until i do another because i'm transcribing all the authentics interviews so they're going to be in a book format uh it probably will be quite a while longer than usual mm-hmm until I do another Hermetic series, unless I just fancy doing one, in which case we never know. But you, you already it, had like a fairly uh, irregular job schedule, though, now. Well, I, I record four and then release as a season, which means I don't have to do the like weekly thing because mm. everyone I've listened to who does the weekly thing, it just uh, starts to get boring and it starts to get boring, it starts to get repetitive, it starts to uh, you, you well, as soon as you have that, it's no longer a case of wanting, it's a case of having, and I never wanted that. Um, yeah. So you're actually funny enough. The reason why I don't drop weekly, cause I saw your podcast come out like month or every month or so. And I was like, Oh, that's way better. Yeah. And it, it, it retains the, uh, what would you call it? Scarcity of it, mm-hmm. you know, um, sort of like Joe Rogan, to be honest, every now and again, yeah. like, Oh, there's a new Joe Rogan. And he, he understands he only really wants it when it's something really good. I don't, you know, no one is, you know, yeah, I don't think it's too much to say on that one. But yeah, working mm-hmm. on always working on a lot of stuff, but at the same time, sort of retreating into a calm life now. That's good. Uh, well, uh, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, right. Thank you for uh, having me. Of course, of course. Um, and uh, I'll be sure to link all your inf- uh, your website, your <laughs> podcast, all that stuff in the description. Yeah. All right, okay. appreciate it. Thanks very uh, much.